Welcome to Arcs Chat Live. My name is Robin Bauer Kilgo, and I am one of your hosts tonight. Just a couple of notes about this Arcs Chat. Um, there is going to be a bit of delay. There's obviously four people on the call, so we're about a 20 second delay as we talk. Um, so, heads up on that, everyone. And we are going to be sending out, checking our uh, social media throughout the entire time. So, if you have any questions for everyone, please use the hashtag, hashtag ArcsChat to let us know. Um, and without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic over to John Robinette. Thanks again, Robin. Uh, once again, welcome to Arcs Chat. Um, we're back from our summer hiatus and ready to start the new season and a new format. Uh, but before we get into that, let's introduce everybody else that's here today. Uh, of course, you've heard from Robin. She is the online voice of Arcs. Um, she's also an independent registrar based in the Florida Keys. Um, we also have Amanda Robinson, uh, the registrar at the Museum of Fine Arts, St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, for the last year and a half, Amanda has been uh, helping us with the Arcs chat, Arcs chat topics and questions. And now uh, she is like fully part of this YouTube Live uh, Next Generation Arcs Chat. And then lastly, uh, this evening, our special guest is Tony Kaiser, who's the Vice President of Arcs and all, the Assistant Director for Collections Management at the National World War II Museum in New Orleans. But also, uh, for the purposes of tonight, she's uh, the lead organizer of the Arcs Conference coming in Philadelphia in November. She masterminded the 2017 conference in Vancouver, which uh, if you were there, you know that it was wildly popular and successful. So here uh, tonight, she's going to talk about all things uh, that have to do with the conference and answer all of your questions and our questions about it. Uh, but before we go straight into the, the topic, uh, let's catch up and see what's going on with uh, everybody else after summer and see what's on your plate or on your mind these days. How about you, uh, Amanda? What's going on? All right. Well, as many of you know, here, many of us in Florida are just squeaking past preparations and honestly panics relating to Hurricane Dorian. Most of my week last week was spent in emergency preparedness meetings, communications with lenders regarding their collection and our institution's um, preparations, and then reevaluating every single day, kind of hour by hour, whether or not we were going to remove sensitive and vulnerable artwork. So I'm grateful that most of our state will come away unscathed, but I cannot recommend enough having a basic emergency preparedness plan because it has saved my life this past week. We were able to make a lot of responsible decisions because we had an outline and procedure in place. So in that regard, it was a successful week of collection stewardship in St. Petersburg. <laughs> yeah, that's good to hear. Um, Robin, were you dealing with some of the similar uh, things with, uh, with your other Florida business? Yeah. <laughs> I live down in the Florida Keys. So for us for a while, it just looked like we were going to get slammed. So um, for us, it was a lot of checking in with people, um, making sure we had resource lists, like the folks at um, NHR, National Heritage Responders, that I'm a member of, and some other groups, and just making sure everyone was kind of prepared. But this storm has been just so wonky. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's huge. It's slow. Yeah. Um, it hit Bahamas bad. Um, yeah, so really it's... Crazy. Yeah, there's been a lot of fun with that the past couple of days. So. Yeah. Tony, sure. what's, what's going on for you? Are you uh, traveling? Are you doing any crazy exhibitions? Um, not at the moment. Um, I'm getting ready to go to Houston to take a look at a big exhibition um, about Adolf Eichmann. Um, 
that is close to 4,000 square feet, which we are this close to opening a 3,500 square foot exhibition hall. So, you know, squeeze it in there yeah. <laughs> a little bit. We're reorganizing a little bit to make it fit a little bit better. Um, but it's the first first exhibition in this venue because it's brand new. So it's just all the kinks of a new space. So we're trying to think ahead as to what we're you know, do we have enough dollies? Do we have enough extension cords? All that kind of stuff that sometimes you're like, I'm going to Home Depot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Has, uh, has anyone been following what's going on with uh, ICOM, the ICOM conference in Kyoto? No, I know it's happening, but that's been about it. No, the I think the really fascinating thing about it, and, and from a theoretical standpoint, is that they're kind of redefining um, what a museum is. Um, and that's actually the the title and the theme of the whole conference. And so they literally had a committee come together and try and, you know, make a, a new definition. And, you know, it's kind of been bantered about. And it's, it's a, I mean, irregardless of like what the definition actually is, I mean, it's a curious proposition to even think that it even needed further definition. So, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting take, um, especially considering, I mean, it looked like a really glitzy, slick conference. I got to say, uh, you know, the, the, the venue is amazing and the opening ceremony, the fireworks, the performance. I mean, it was out of control. So that's like the Olympics. Museum. Can you put that in next year's budget, Tony, for the 20 next year? <laughs> fireworks, <laughs> I will. Fireworks in our budget, I'll add that in. <laughs> Exactly. That's going to be the determining factor where the next venue is. So Exactly. Okay. Well, then that might solve it. Actually, that's going to be the, I'm going to send an email right now. It'll be done. <laughs> very good. Very good. So with that in mind, why don't we, uh, why don't we actually talk about the conference? Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, one, one of the things that I think people are often very curious about uh, concerning the, the venue itself is how, the conference city gets chosen and how do the dates get chosen? Um, can you give us any insight into, into that process? Sure. So we, as a board of directors sit down a few years in advance and kind of just in some ways spitball cities that we think would be good fits. And then myself and a couple other people, what we end up doing often is doing research to see if those cities are even viable for ARCs. In some instances, there are not hotels big enough to hold us. Um, and in other instances, if it's just too far from an international airport or too small of a city, in those cases, we have to kind of say, no, I'm sorry, it's just, it's just not going to work. So we usually start with three or four cities that we think um, have good options for hotels that can hold a conference of our size. And then we send out a request for proposal. And ARCS has traditionally, since it started in 2013, had a time frame that was sort of that end of October, beginning of November. And we're trying to stick in that time um, in that time frame of a couple of weeks. So we'll send out the RFP to the hotels, and they'll come back and tell us if they even have availability, and then help us with any of the other logistics of the conference, like how much the room is going to be for attendees, how much they're going to um, charge us for catering or rental fees if we're going to have to pay those. So there's all these kind of other factors that come into it, because what we try to do is find 
sort of a good deal with the hotel so that we can pass that good deal along to ARCS members. We try to keep our registration really low, so it's important to us that the hotel waive the meeting fees that are usually associated, that they're giving us a good rate for what is usually a downtown hotel, um, you know, how much they're going to charge us for breakfast. All of that kind of comes into play into how we make an ultimate decision about where the conference is going to be. Wow. So many factors. Um, I mean, I'm even on the, the ARCS board, and I didn't even know all the, the, the nitty-gritty details. Yeah, you guys pick the cities, and then I go, nope, not going to work. Nope, <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> I can't remember how many times I heard that. <laughs> So. Yeah. So no, we do. We try. We've tried. You know, to um, to spread the conference out geographically. You know, we um, have had a couple of sort of central places, uh, Chicago and New Orleans, and then we went to Vancouver, and now we're going to Philadelphia. So for 2021, we're looking to sort of spread out again a little bit more and see what we might be able to find that would be another city to think about another international um, destination for the conference as well, so that we can. ARCs can continue to sort of build our international um, membership, too. So does that mean you're getting close to determining a 2021 city? Yes, we're very close. We actually (laughs) hope, this is not a promise, but we hope to make an announcement at this conference in November for the next one so that people can begin to prepare. We hope so. Um, We still have contracts to sign, so we'll see. Gotcha. That's, That's pretty exciting. Um, now, I, on Twitter, I heard a couple of people, not a, not a huge amount, but there's been uh, some talk about the overlap between these various other conferences like Museum Commuting, um, Computing Network and also Museum Next that are uh, around the same time as ours. And, um, you know, there's some concern that, you know, some, some people could be going to those. Um, and I don't know, is that something that was factored into this? Yeah, so we do. We have um, one of the things that helps us. Well, one of the reasons that we ended up on these dates is that it hadn't been there hadn't been other conferences around it. But when we're looking at the dates, we look and we see like, well, where's SEMC going to be, and when, and Museum Computer Network, or even ISAFAT, some of those other organizations that are closely related to ARCs um, that we think our members may also want to attend, and we try our best to not directly overlap with any of those, but sometimes they're negotiating their contracts at the same time we're negotiating ours. So we don't know that they're going to be the same dates until after we've already signed a contract and that too. So that's one of the reasons we're trying to get a little bit more ahead of it and hope to make the announcement um, even earlier than we have in the past is so that that way we're on the calendar. And if any of those other conferences haven't made any decisions yet that they might keep ARCs in mind or some of their membership in mind when they're thinking about when their conference will be. Gotcha. So we're, we're the protagonist. (laughs) (laughs) So that's cool. Um, you guys have any other, uh, thoughts there? I think it's always a struggle to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to find the cities and stuff. And it's like, I mean, again, I'm an, I'm on an Island down off the coast of Florida. So everything is a challenge <laughs> for me to get to. <laughs> but, um, that being said, like, it's, it's so important to me, like last year or you know, two years ago when we were in Vancouver, that was so nice because we just saw like a whole level of people, you know, I, t- I tend to be in the Southeast for most of my stuff. So seeing all these people from the West coast was amazing. So I like that. And I like how we're ping ponging across the countries now. So mm-hmm. it's nice. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm excited for Philly too. I like cheese sticks, so I'm off. Yeah. What about uh, any, uh, any chance of going to what is it, Marathon Key or? <laughs> you know, no okay, well that that's a good leeway. There's not a hotel probably big enough for us like, in Key West. Yeah. Or in, or in Knock Key it off the list. To be honest, Miami maybe, but that's about it. So. Mm. We are yeah. growing every year. Miami's too expensive. I already <laughs> It's a possibility. If you get in early enough, sometimes you can get a good deal. So, you know, yeah. You know. I bet there's good deals in the Caribbean during hurricane season. Well, you take a chance. That's the yeah. thing. It's you the do. State, the state and conference down here two years ago got canceled because of Irma. So you you have to have insurance. You have to have hurricane insurance. So, um. And we do have cancellation insurance um, because in 2015, when we were in New Orleans, um, it was still hurricane season, technically. It was towards the end of hurricane season, um, but we did. We had um, insurance just for that purpose in case we did end up canceling and, you know, owe the hotel a lot of money and all that kind of stuff. So we, we have thought about that. It's it is a factor that we, you know, try to keep in mind when we're thinking about that kind of where we're going to go to. Yeah. Um, who's got the questions open? <laughs> I do. You, you want me to throw you one? <laughs> sure. A well-oiled machine here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is actually something that's interesting because I've been put on the waiting list before, and I think that we're kind of at that point now yeah. where we're waiting list going on. So can we talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that and kind of what the status is? Uh. <laughs> sure. So I can sort of talk to, I can talk to that a little bit. So Robin's the one who has to actually deal with it, but I can tell you a little bit about it. So basically when we are looking at the spaces that we're going to rent essentially for these events, we give them a minimum, but they also have a maximum. So we say, we think we're going to have 600 people, but they can go up to 850. So we sort of set registration somewhere, somewhere in that sweet spot that's like we'd like to have more than 600 people, but we really cannot fit any more than 850 because of the way, because of the size of the ballroom at the hotel or the size of the the space. So um, we want to keep the conference sort of in that less, like we're always thinking like less than 900 because that gets to be really big and then you have to move to convention centers, which we as an organization haven't wanted to do. So what we do end up doing is we do have to create a wait list for people who register after that mark by which we've said this is really the maximum amount of people that this space can hold, that the hotel can hold. And so we um, try to account for all the speakers who need to register. Um, One of the things that we keep in mind is that the federal fiscal year starts October 1st. So we have a lot of people in the federal government and sometimes state and local governments that their fiscal year doesn't even start until the 1st, so they can't purchase their registrations. So we have a whole list of people that they they get a little bit of a grace period into October to actually register for the conference, but they have to contact us before the before registration is closed. So then if some of them, if like say funding doesn't come through, then we go to the wait list and we say, hey, guess what? We have some more spots. Um, and we do get people, unfortunately, who have to cancel. We actually had a cancellation email today. So that sort of bumps somebody from the wait list um, up, you know, that we didn't have a spot for previously. 
So we try our best to manage it and make sure that it's equitable and fair, but always just remind people to register as soon as they can. Yeah. And especially for those people who have financial difficulties, like we really try Mm -hmm. to let people know, like, tell us as soon as you know, because that way your spot is secure. You know what I mean? And that spot will not go away unless, you know, if we're hounding you in October to pay, there's a chance it might go away, but you know, that, that spot will be there for you as long as we can. Cause we understand that. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of the board members work for federal governments. So we understand that you're dealing with fiscal year. Mm -hmm. Well, not even federal governments, but state governments, because that was always a challenge um, in planning, like our budget year, we always had to figure out when are the conferences going to be, when are, when is registration Mm going to happen and when can we really pay for it? And I'll also add, you know, people tell me when I get the emails, a lot of them will have reasons to why they couldn't do it. So even on this newer version of the waitlist, I, I throw in some keywords as to they had an issue. They already bought their travel, which I, I question a little because I always like to have my conference registration in my hand before I purchase my travel. But I do I do try to like we note that stuff on your your, you know, your entry to make sure that we're being fair. So. Yeah. And we also, you know, we have stipends available. So for people who do have financial, you know, difficulties, like with funding from work or, you know, whatever, we do have um, a stipend program. We have a couple of sponsors who um, have, for all of the conferences, offered basically a, a scholarship or a stipend to travel. So we offer those. We offer them some that are specific just to students, just to sort of increase um, student awareness of ARCs and get them in the into the conference. So we try really hard to get as many people as we can, but at a certain point, there are just only so many people who are going to fit in the ballroom, and we have to say no. Yeah. Or the fire marshal's going to shut us down. <laughs> That's the other thing. We haven't had yet, and I'm hoping we don't have. There's only so many warm bodies. <laughs> we can stick exactly. Through. So, How many travel stipends do you give out? Um, it varies from year to it has varied from year to year for the conference, um, depending on the uh, award. The, the, it's, we have sponsors who who give us the money to hand out, so it depends a little bit on what we've been given. But I think we gave out twelve this year. Is that right, Robin? Sounds right. And actually, the student stipends are still available. Um, those applications okay, yeah. are due September sixth. So if you're a student member of ARCS and um, you have already either already registered, hint or have, um, haven't registered yet, then I'd say go ahead and apply to see if you can help defray costs for sure. Mm-hmm. And there's information on how to do that on, on the ARCS website, right? Correct. Yeah, if you go underneath programming um, and the conference, there's a link on there for travel stipends so people can find it there. ARCSinfo.org. Correct. Correct. I'll put the link in the chat. Hold on. Oh, nice. What are the what are the numbers looking like this year, Tony? Like uh, in terms of the amount of people that are going to be able to attend? yes, um, so probably right around that eight fifty mark for this particular conference. Um, we had seven hundred and seventy in Vancouver, um, and that was mostly you know we had actually stopped it at seven hundred, and then went up to seven seventy, knowing that the hotel could go to about seven seventy five. So we really pushed it on that one. Um, and same with this hotel, um, uh, 875 is about their cap for the, the layouts that we like and to be able to do, you know, we'd like to have the general sessions the first and the last day and then the split session on the second day. And so it would sort of be able to maximize the space and how they do it and what we've rented. Um, it'll be between 850 and 875 is my guess. So, and does that allow for a lot of the people on the waiting list to get in? 
I don't know that I would say it's going to be a lot of them. It has grown considerably over the last two weeks. Yeah. And so we're going to try our best. Um, we we have a couple of priorities in that. We want to make sure that all the stipend people, if they hadn't registered before they were awarded, are on there. All of the speakers have a spot that, you know, that they can be on there. And then, of course, those who have sponsored the the ARCs overall for our development campaign, we want to make sure that they have um, someone to come because they offer cable, like a vendor space. So we want to make sure that they have one or two people there as well. Um, but then after that, it will be just a first-come, first-serve basis of when you'd let us know. We are holding those federal spots. So that's where come October 1, when federal people or any other, the government people may not have funding, we may end up with some more spots that open up. And that's just that's just dependent on, on each entity there. Yeah. If you requested a waitlisted spot prior to August 1st, your spot is secure. Um, it's pretty much those of us, those the, the waitlisted folks who have been asking since mid-August, I guess, um, they received a message from me saying, if a spot opens, we will let you know. You know what I mean? That's kind of where we're at right now. So. And like, how, how big of a window do you leave open for the, for the government employees, uh, like a week or, um, usually by October 1st, I try to start contacting them, letting them know, Hey, you know what I mean? Like theoretically, if their budgets have been approved, um, they should know pretty soon, you know what I mean? To spend it. So we try to let them know and we give them a little bit of leeway. Cause I, I used to work for tribal government. I understand that sometimes stuff takes time, you know what I mean? So um, but we try to, I mean, you know, the conference is the first week of November. So we try to get all this financial stuff out of the way by end of October. Cause we don't really want to be chasing down people for conference fees when we're actually trying to do the conference. It's full, yeah. Well, not only that, you've got a, a list of people that are willing to, to pay. Correct. To get in. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, so is there, um, Regarding the conference itself, is there going to what? What are some of the? Uh, are there going to be any new aspects to to the conference? Uh, things that we're going to that are going to be different from previous ones. Yeah, so we're going to have a keynote speaker this year, which was something that we um, sort of brainstormed after the conference last year or last time, and. Um, we're going to actually have Joan Baldwin from Leadership Matters, so some of you might be familiar with, who's going to be our keynote speaker. So we're going to open with that, which will be new for us. And uh, there'll be some question and answer period as part of her she keynote slated for an hour. So there'll be 15 to 20 minutes at the end that people will be able to ask her questions. So we hope to put that information up so that people can start thinking about questions that they might have for her. Um, so that'll be new, uh, not entirely new, um, but this will be our second go around with it will be the ARCS app, the conference app. So we'll have a lot of more, hopefully more stuff in the app this time too, so that we can um, help people to continue to connect that way. Um, we are going to have an uh, one reception off-site at the Academy of Natural Sciences. So that'll be really fun. Dinosaurs this time. And I uh, hope that people will have a lot of fun and come out to that event. Um, we've tried, you know, we've done offsite events um, before, but uh, I think this is our first, I think this is our first natural history museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Fantastic. And that, that one, that, that reception is going to be the first night, right? The it will be the first night. It will be, um, yeah, Thursday night. 
and it starts at six. It goes till eight o'clock. So for people who end up who still want to go out to dinner and do all that, you'll still have time to to go out after get your cheese steaks. <laughs> there you go, Robin. There's more. I, I should also say I grew up in Central Pennsylvania, so I have an affinity towards the cheesecakes and the tasty cakes <laughs> and all the, and the, tasty all cakes, the Pennsylvania yeah. food. <laughs> so, uh, I like some uts. I got I Oh, us are good. If you're gonna, mm-hmm. so uh, on the marketing committee, uh, we were trying to determine what's going to go in the the tote bag this year, and. The option of Uts Tasty Cakes or a cheesesteak recipe, maybe not an actual cheesesteak, um, <laughs> would, would, would go in there. Do you guys have a preference? Not the recipe. I can't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm saying like a Tasty Cake, Butterscotch Crimpet. <laughs> like those are the best ones. I'm actually going to have to look up what that is. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was a non-chocolate eater as a child, so I was all over those things. <laughs> like that was, those are the things. Was that even English that you were speaking? Butterscotch crumpets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are delicious. <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't know what a tasty cake was until someone brought it up. So, um, really? Yeah, that is, yeah. Blaspheme. Also, we're right across the street from Reading Terminal Market, which maybe that's something to we, talk about. Yeah, so that'll be a great opportunity for people to sort of pop out Um and explore that and all the dining options that it offers. It does, it's not open for dinner, but it is open for breakfast and lunch. Although ARCS is providing breakfast and lunch um, on the conference day. So um, would encourage you to eat that. Yes. <laughs> but, but there are other options around. Have a minute. You can <laughs> run nice. across the street and go check out an Amish guy. <laughs> we'll probably have amazing And cheese. get those pretzels. <laughs> they have those yes. Amish soft pretzels those are really good those are really good yeah that market does have tons of great stuff um but one of the the great things that you just reminded me of is that they're also during the lunch periods there's going to be uh times that you can sign up for for special interest groups so if you're you know working at a university museum or a foundation or some sort of a specialty um uh organization you and you want to you know take advantage of the fact that you might have other peers from afar that are in the same room, you can sign up for those. And those meetings occur during the lunch hours, right? Yeah. So we actually set them up to be both during breakfast or lunch. And we'll post a schedule of that soon. We had, we sort of, you may have seen, we put out a call for people who were interested in organizing it. And basically on the ARC side of it, we're just giving this, we had already booked the space with the hotel. So there's little small meeting rooms, just kind of off to the side of where the actual dining and vendor hall is going to be. And so we're really just kind of marking the space. And so those will be in the app and they'll be online and people can sign up. We might have to limit space in some of them, um, just depending on popularity. We'll, that'll be one thing that we'll put uh, in the app is a little bit of a cap on that, just because those rooms are not overly large. Um, but we'll put that up there so that people can, can see some of the special interest groups that are going to meet. And those will be during the meal times. Yeah. So you'll still be able to eat and go through the buffet and then go in the room. Got it, got it, got it. But it's not a dedicated room for each um, special interest, correct? It's it two. is. It's like five, four or five little rooms. Um, oh, I see. So in that sort of hotel style where they kind of open up or you can close them off. And they'll have them closed off for us. So we'll have about, what's four or five, I can't remember now, um, little spaces that will seat anywhere probably like 12 to 18 people um, to come and have some of those small, the small group meetings and 
Um, and just, you know, create a network of people who are doing something similar and you can talk about your own hot topics or special interests or, you know, figure out if, um, you know, you want to think about a session for the next ARCS conference and some of that kind of stuff too would be good in those meetings. Yeah. Um, one thing that, I, you know, I'm planning to do this on, on Twitter uh, since I spend a fair amount of time there, but like I've always been surprised that people don't use ARCS more as a job hunting and job interviewing platform, sort of like uh, the way people use, um, why can't I ever think of it? Um, LinkedIn? CAA. CAA. Thank you. Oh, uh, yeah. How, how it's basically just a job market. Um, and that's, that's, I think, something that's, you know, I'd really be interested in seeing if we could uh, mobilize people in that respect. But, you know, people, I guess, don't know who's going to be there yet, but... Is that something? That yeah, well, I think that's one thing about for emerging professionals and students is it's a great opportunity to meet people and um, get your name out there, if nothing else, to sort of, you know, show interest in a particular avenue or field and ask questions um, so that you can, you know, get some experience or get some leads on some things. I think that would always be, you know, something you could try to look for. I think one thing I'll mention that's going to be new this year that um, – We've been talking about it for a while on the planning committee, So, but it'll be new for everybody else. Is when you registered, uh, you noticed that you got to pick some icons and um, that had to do with whether you liked shipping or exhibits or uh, pest management. And, you know, so you got to pick three. And I think that'll be a way, too, for people to just have, a, like, an icon that they can look for on somebody's badge to be able to be like, ooh, there's somebody who does shipping. Let me go talk to them. Um, there's somebody who does insurance. Let me go talk to them. Yeah, Backwards. there we go, Robin. <laughs> yeah. Backwards, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so it was very Ozarks when we, yeah, I was watching that show when we first saw it. Like, this is great. It's going to be fantastic. Very Ozark. So, um, but it was just a way to, to sort of make the badge function a little bit more for us so that you could get some of that information out there that's not necessarily easy. It's like, oh, it's my first time here, or I'm a new member to ARCS, or I'm new to the field. So um, some of those icons will be helpful for that. And we'll have some of the ribbons as well, too, like you see at other big conferences. Um, for first-time attendees and locals and that kind of thing. Super cool. Super cool. So um, what, what do you guys uh, have in your mind? Do you want me to talk a little bit more about the app? Because it's like the other half of my life right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Lay it on thick. Uh, so we're using the same uh, company that we used back in uh, Vancouver. They're a company called Attendify, which I jokingly said it was hilarious because we used that one. And then all of a sudden, like a bunch of other conferences started using it. So I was like, where are the groundbreakers? Because <laughs> we started using this app. Yeah, they owe us. I <laughs> recommended that. <laughs> well, it was a really nice user-friendly app from both like the, the content management side and then also from the user side. Like everyone seemed to really like it. So we were like, why, you know, why reinvent the wheel? We'll use the same thing. Um, it's got approved by the Apple store. It'll be on Google play. It'll probably be available probably mid September, I'm guessing. Um, just because I want to make sure most of the information is updated in it. Um, it'll have the schedule speakers. Um, we want to play around a lot more with the gamification of the app, which we kind of played with a little bit back in Vancouver, but, um, mm -hmm. there'll be stuff happening within the app during the conference, um, that people can 
earn points at and all this other kind of fun stuff. Um, what else? There'll be the maps in there. We'll get push notifications. So if something's happening within the conference itself, um, people will know. So that'll be really useful too. Um, so we're pretty excited about it. I mean, I, like I said, I've, we played around when we found that company back in 2017, we played with a lot of different apps just to kind of get a feel. Mm -hmm. And this one was probably the most user-friendly on all fronts, um, just because stuff can get changed on a dime with it. And the help desk is really good too, which is nice. Um, so yeah, we're pretty excited about it. So it's, it's raring to go right now. Well, you may yeah. For, um, real-time surveys, uh, mm -hmm. that was something yep. that I saw used really nicely at, uh, at the ERC in London, uh, mm -hmm. last year. They really put that to good use. Yeah. That's something that we didn't take advantage of before. So that would be good too. And we'll, um, so we'll get a real feel of kind of what's happening, um, within the conference floor itself. And we're still going to be, um, using the people will still be on social media too. So don't feel like if you're going to be, you don't have to choose either or there's the live stream, which shows what's happening within the conference, within the app, which some people are very comfortable with, but we'll also have links to all of our Twitter stuff and all of that kind of fun stuff. So people will, um, be able to follow along with news on the app as we're kind of, or news within the conference as we're going. So mm -hmm. it should be good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be great. One thing I will mention for anybody who's listening who's going to be registering on the Wednesday before the conference starts, um, we're actually going to have registration and it's going to move partway through the day. So in the morning, we'll be down in the lobby and then um, towards the end of the day, we'll move upstairs to the actual area where we'll be for the rest of the conference, but we have to wait for um, another conference to clear out. So that'll all be in the schedule and on the maps and everything like that. But the, the app will be a great way to see exactly where, <laughs> where we are on the first day. Other than that, that's the only thing about um, us getting started on that Wednesday is that we are overlapping a little bit with another, with another conference. That's okay. We just gotta let them get out of the way. <laughs> I'm just excited about that uh, that social media feed that uh, everybody gets to see, and you know, so we can start harassing people from afar, you know, as of late September, which is great. So, yeah, and you know, we had people in Vancouver who like put together running groups and other little meetups and stuff. So I think that'll be a great way to do that too. So not just the interest group meetups, but also the like, hey, who wants to do? Who wants to go run to PMA and do the Rocky thing and all that. I hope some. I hope somebody puts that group together. I'm in. <laughs> we go. It's not a. It's not a hard run from the hotel, so it'd be easy to like put a group of registrars together and go to the Rocky statue. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that needs to be filmed. Um, is that in the <laughs> We'll get it done. To sneak around or some GoPros to record that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um. So um, tell us about uh, anything new regarding like the concurrent sessions. How do you guys put those together? And I noticed that there's only going to be two at a time instead of three this year. Yeah. So we listened to the people who complained about Vancouver being too hard to choose with there being three tracks. So we did scale back this time to two. Um, people felt like they were missing too much. Um, and it was too hard to choose. And so for the sake of what everybody felt was sort of more conducive, which was to just go to two tracks. I think that from the programming side of it, it means that we lose about 
seven hours of programming. So that was, you can think about how many sessions we're not having, which is unfortunate. But what I think is really good is that it will mean that people will have a lot more flexibility to go back and forth and actually sort of get more um, out of the conference by, you know, there being less time to have to worry about traveling in between and all that. So, and then everything will be available online like it has in years past after the conference um, for those of you on the, on the membership under behind the membership firewall. Um, but that's one thing that will be a little bit different is we'll just have the two concurrent sessions. And that schedule at a glance will be available really soon. We just, um, we were waiting to announce um, the keynote speaker. And then we just have a couple of little things that we're just fiddling with to make sure that it's all as close as we can get it. Some things may adjust still by 15 minutes or so, but that's our hope is that we'll um, have that have that up. So we've tried really hard to make sure that um, sessions that are up against one another aren't ones that people would, you know, want to both go to. So, for instance, there's a couple different disaster preparedness sessions, and they are not opposite each other. So if that's something that, you know, like we were talking about the top of the hour here that's on your radar, you'll be able to attend all of those. We've tried really hard to make sure that, you know, they're on their own kind of um, track. So um, we did our best to spread that out throughout, and we have a group of people. We we call ourselves or themselves the readers group, and part of what they do is look at all of the proposals that come in. We got um, close to 70. Is that right, Robin? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, and so, you know, we've... we've ask people to do less. We ask people to combine. We ask people to join with other conferences or with other sessions on similar topics so that we could try to make the most of all of the, all of the topics that were um, put forth for the conference. And um, the readers group also helped to determine um, which of those would be good opposite others, you know, so like if you're interested in, in zoos, then you're probably not interested in fine art storage. So we're, they, they are at the same time. That's not quite the case this time, but that's the idea behind it. Got it. I don't think we have a zoo lecture this time. We did in 17. Though. Yeah, it was good. Fun, I like zoos. I like hearing about zoos. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I want to go to that. I don't have anything to do with that. That's <laughs> I get real excited. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, what do you do with a bunch of flamingos when you're preparing for a hurricane? That's, that was you, put you put them in the bathroom. You put them in the bathroom. Miami, you put them in the bathroom. That's where they go. Or if you live in New Orleans and you're... Oh, I was going to say, because we had our Jaguar get loose here in New Orleans. Oh, that was a thing? Yeah, he he went on a rampage. Yeah, he killed about four other animals, alpacas. Oh, okay. Alpacas. <laughs> <laughs> we needed like four Mardi Gras tenders. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just alpacas. <laughs> Not in your disaster plan? But they had a great emergency plan. They have a whole protocol for what happens when... An animal escape. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a huge part. I do emergency plan. I most people know that. And like, yeah, reading the zoo plans is fascinating because they have to think of just yeah. stuff that you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> you have to deal with that. Okay. <laughs> to deal with that. So yeah. Anyway, that would be an interesting conference talk to see how different pot plans from different institutions vary. The things they have to consider versus the things that institutions have to consider. 
It's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. Like I've helped run, have those discussions. And it's very, very interesting to kind of see how people, what you care about. Cause you know, see, look, mm-hmm. we're already spitballing 2021. No, see, right? this is why the conference is great. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate of people, you know, they're like, Oh, I want to talk about this. And I'm like, write it down now and send it to me yeah. or write it down now and send it to yourself. Um, Cause this is the stuff that's really great. And then, you know, you meet people at the conference who are doing stuff that's really similar to you, but that's different. Um, I've always kind of joked, and this is honestly where the idea for the small group meeting idea kind of came about was, I was like, we need different therapy groups. We need the, I'm under construction therapy group. We need the, my collection is under renovation therapy group. We need the, we have to build a new exhibit in less than a year therapy group. (laughs) So I think that the conference is a great time to sort of like find the people who are suffering through the same thing that you are and, and, and join forces and and lean on each other and, and come up with conference topics that sort of show how you're moving through pile driving and, you know, vibration studies and whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. Turning your hair gray. Jaguars getting getting the room so that everybody could just really, you know, let off some steam. So <laughs> I don't know if that's in the budget. Um, <laughs> well, Tony, what I was hoping to ask you about was actually uh, related to the strategic plan that ARCS has now unfolded and uh, rolled out. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be opportunity at the conference where any of that's going to be highlighted or discussed or any breakout sessions that will talk a little bit more about what ARCS is hoping to do over the next three or five years? We are going to talk about it. Um, Danielle, as part of her sort of opening remarks, or at some point in the in the uh, sort of speechifying that happens on the ARC side of it, we will talk about it at the conference. We're not necessarily th- planning on any particular breakout sessions. However, we are hoping it is an opportunity for people who are interested in becoming part of some of the committees that are really expanding for um, for ARCs to have an opportunity to meet their board liaisons or to ask questions about what roles and capacities there might be um, now within the strategic plan. One of the things that ARCs is an organization that we've had to think a lot about is that, you know, putting together the conference, doing things like this, the ARCs chat, um, planning other workshops and stuff um, is a big time commitment. And we are really going to start looking more to our membership to help us with maintaining and creating like really good products across for all of our members um, and to think a lot more about how we can continue to reach more people um, and grow ARCs as a membership organization and offer registrars and collection specialists more of what they need. And part of that's knowing what they need and um, getting more people involved so that we have a, a good pulse on what our community is looking for from us um, and that hopefully we can we can provide. Right. And it's also about not having um, a lot of overlap with other sort of sister organizations um, who might be doing something. So uh, so we can really focus on, on what we need for for ourselves. So because we seem to have a lot in common with AIC, for example. Um, so, yeah, anyway. We uh, have any questions coming in from YouTube? 
We have a question um, from a member. I won't say their name just because in case you want to keep it private. But she said, basically, I'm looking for mentorship to become a museum registrar. How can the association help me? Um, she's a member hoping to attend the next conference, which will happen in two years. Yeah. So we do have um, a mentorship program. It's actually a partnership with the CS of AAM. So that's probably on the programs page, Robin, that she can find some information about mentorship. And we do. We partner um, emerging professionals or those who are wanting to get into the field with a more seasoned professional who's sort of in the avenue that they want to pursue. And so I would encourage her to look um, at that part of the website and apply. It's sort of an open, um, rolling kind of thing. So um, as soon as you submit your, your interest in your application, um, we'll try our best to match you up with somebody. Um, it doesn't have to be by a certain by a certain deadline or anything like that. And I have to say, as someone who participated in that program, I got a lot out of it, and I would highly recommend it. I probably just badgered Dixie Nelson with questions when I was assigned to her. But it really helped because she had great insight. Because she was also in Florida with me, she had some really relevant feedback to give me on mm -hmm. questions I had. And sometimes it's just nice to have someone who's been in the field be able to say, don't worry, this will be fine. Or, I've been through that. You'll be great. Things like that. So I, I highly recommend that program. It, it, I think it's fantastic. I'm so glad that it's a partnership that we do with um, CSVAM. Yes, is, absolutely. Is that you're still in contact with? I'm sorry? Are you still in contact with her? With Dixie? I mean, not really. Not, not I don't badger her as much anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but she's still a prominent figure on the listserv yeah. um, that's run by the Collection yeah. Network. So she's always available, available and out there. And not to put her on blast or anything, but I'm sure she'd answer your questions if you had them. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, that's a a professional relationship that you can probably carry on beyond just the mentorship. Um, Absolutely. So. And many people, I think many people do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, I'll plug the conference again shamelessly, but I think that's one thing, too, about about it is that, you know, you could attend a, you could attend a session or not and then come back to work and find out that, oh, you are going to be doing a giant digitization project. Well, let me look up who spoke about that or, oh, I am getting a time-based media piece. Let me look up who that was and send them an email and ask them for some advice. And I think that that's one of the, you know, not even a straight-up mentor-mentee relationship, but just um, – sort of professional relationship that we get as ARCS members is that sort of ability to reach out um, to somebody and be like, I know you presented on this. Do you have any other resources or tips? Or, you know, I think that that's one of the things that's really helpful about the conference as well. Well, I think, you know, in our field, especially because there's not really a direct ladder to getting a position in collections management. Sure, there's museum studies, but whatever. It's not a collections management registrar no. degree. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so I feel like we're, as a community, we're very receptive to people that seek out those types of, um, relationships, whether it's just a, you know, one-off professional question or something more. And I feel <laughs> like even if it's beyond a mentorship program per se, I feel like you can almost create one if you just start asking questions to people that seem to be experts on the topic that that interests you at the moment. So um, I feel like we're a very giving community because we recognize that there isn't, um, there isn't always direct formal education for, for the, uh, what we do. So 
That's very true. I didn't come to this field directly. That's for sure. I was, How could you? How could you? <laughs> I mean, back in 05, when I got my graduate stuff, there were museum studies programs, but nothing like there is now. You know what I mean? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a different world. And I think it's kind of like what you said with mentorship is it's like the connections you make at these conferences are the things that have always helped me. It's just talking to people and, you know, it's, which is hard because I think all of us collections people are closet introverts pretty much. So it's hard to walk up and be like, hi, <laughs> like I'm a new kid, like explain me, <laughs> yeah. but you got to do it, especially if you're interested in the yeah. topic or if you have an example, like that's always my end, you know? Well, I, I think this is actually a, a really important point So, like individually, like how do you use the conference? Like I know like lots of us are sort of bogged down with, with other sort of like arcs related logistic um duty, but at the same time like um i've met so many people that i have ended up using whether they're vendors or professional relationships and i've uh that i've cultivated and it's been super super important um but like for example i'll come away with you know a stack of 50 business cards at the end of a conference and you know one of my things was that i always emailed everybody and said hey it was great to meet you Um, but, and I was always shocked that like, I might've gotten one other person that did that to me, like almost nobody follows up. Um, so, I mean, that's an easy way to sort of distinguish yourself, for example. Um, but like, do you guys have any like conference tricks or things that you do or use to, to get the most out of it for yourself? I'm similar to you. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. Oh, no, no. You probably have something better. Go on. (laughs) No, I was going to say, John, I kind of do something that you do, which is I just try to, you know, I feel like sometimes, you know, working where I do, I kind of live in a little bit of a bubble. So I feel like, you know, I don't do a lot of fine art shipping. You know, I don't, you know, so like there are all these like fine art shippers from Europe. And I'm like, hi, how are you? What do you do? (laughs) And people are like, I'm don't you know who I am? I'm like, no, sorry. no. I live in New Orleans yeah. and I don't ship fine art. And then I shipped 14 paintings from France. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. yeah, so actually we met two years ago and you have no idea who I am, but I have 14 paintings in Northern France and I need to get them to New Orleans like now. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, sort of leverage those, like those relationships and as an opportunity to, to like, um, yeah, meet people and interact with people who you wouldn't normally get to interact with. Um, I think that that's great. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that I really like about the conference, too. And, you know, it's like to also, like I said, you know, sympathize with the people who are going through what you're going through, but then to sort of meet Italian shippers who have to put things on a gondola to get it through Venice. I love that. You know, that's fascinating. <laughs> well, exactly what you said. I'm in a weird situation. Even when I worked up in Miami or in South Florida, you're in a bubble. I mean, it's like, you were like, oh, there's people out West that do exactly what I'm doing who have to deal with different situations. But like, it's, you are, you get so kind of insular with what you work in that to me, for me, it was meeting conservators and the conservators will come to our conference. But all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, there's a paper conservator, which for a long time in Florida was like, that person did not exist. You know what I mean? Or if they did, there was like one guy and to get all these people of like, oh my gosh, in the Northeast, there's like a paper conservators abound. So it's like to find the, those people at these conferences is incredibly important to me. And just people who do the different type of work, I think is something that's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Or just finding that other person in the region that might have a contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
Yeah. So Amanda, what was the thing you were going to say earlier? Well, the one thing that I really like to do when I go to conferences is to try and take the opportunity to like seek out people that I'm, I've been wanting to meet or like that people who are going to have something similar to me. Like what's the one thing I always do? I always post on Facebook back when I had it, like, Hey, who from Florida is going to la la la. Let's meet up and grab a drink or coffee or get lunch together. Just something that you have in common. So you can connect with people either in your area or like you're saying, have shared interests and you can kind of build a little network there. It's just really nice. And then those are relationships that you continue on and not to reference back to the hurricane, but one of the things about being in the Southeast is a lot of us deal with the same um, issues like protecting the collection and dealing with all those things. So it's nice to check in with your neighbors really. Hey, how are you doing in the storm? Do you need resources? Can we share resources? It's a good opportunity to open up some of those conversations as well. So I really try and, um, as hard as it is for an introvert self to be the first one to say hi, <laughs> I really do try and make an effort to be um, outgoing and say hello to those people that I'm really interested in meeting because it's a great opportunity to see each other face to face. Also, can I, 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 a, a cool little trick if you have an iPhone, if you don't have business cards or if you don't want to just put out business cards all the time because obviously people leave them, they get uh, thrown away, whatever. Uh, you can set up your contact information in your iPhone and set it up to share with with somebody, and that way their number automatically in their your number is in their phone and vice versa because you need to get their number to share it. So you end up texting your own contact information, and that way you already have it. And um, it's a good little trick to uh, to stay in contact with people. Uh, I'm I'm sure there's a way to do something similar on an Android or whatever, but uh, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, it's an invaluable little tool and you can put the information that you want up to your address, every email that you have, your phone number, obviously. Um, so I, those are cool little tricks. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, also that with the app, you'll be able to sort of, uh, kind of along the lines of what Amanda was saying, you can summon a group, uh, sort of at will and say, Hey, look, I'm going to, you know, Southeast registrars are going to be having breakfast at this table today uh, in the vendor hall. So uh, come, come join us and, you know, I'd love to meet more people from the region, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times I used the app after the conference to be like, I'm pretty sure she was at the conference. Let me just log back into that app and see if I can't find her contact information. So I used it a lot. The app actually lives, I don't want to say forever, but what happens is basically by February, it'll be locked down. So we can't change the content in the app in February. But beyond that, like I still have the 2017 app on my phone. And I still, yeah, I didn't I care to to like it that much. I yeah, didn't either. Like, I'm just yeah. like, oh, let's, cause yeah, I'm also as a, as the one kind of building the, the new one, I'm kind of trying to mirror it a little bit with some tweaks. So it's been useful to be like flipping back and forth between it, but it's, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's a useful tool to have for sure. And because it does have the entire list of members or of attendees. Yeah. Attendees, well, basically yeah. the way the, to get the full functionality of the app, you have to sign up for an account within the app. So you put in, you get to put in your information and then that's the, what they basically, what we have available within the app. So um, yeah, it's, it's important to, I think us to have people do the user generated side of it because then it's them deciding what information they want released. And then also if I notice someone who doesn't belong with us, I can get them out of there. So, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a nice list that I can usually tell if someone shouldn't be in there. Um, I can do them. 
which is not nice, but you have to sign up for an account to get the full functionality of the app. But who wouldn't do that, right? You'd hope. <laughs> You'd hope, <laughs> yeah. I remember I being very so. successful last time, so I'm sure it'll be just the same. So. Exactly. Um, so I we're getting close to the hour mark, and I think there's a couple of uh, other little things that we want to make sure everybody knows about. Um, as with our previous conferences... Uh, all of the sessions where the speakers have signed a waiver, um, all the sessions are going to be recorded, but if the speakers sign a waiver, they will be available uh, for members on the ARCS website. Correct. Um, if you go into programs and in you can select the conference from the past, you can go back to New Orleans, you can go back to Chicago and see the, the, some of the sessions that were done there. Um, and so same with this one. Um, also, on social media, you can follow the conference with the hashtag ArcsConf, C-O-N-F, um, hashtag, and I uh, highly recommend you live tweet that because, um, you know, at, given not only the size of the waiting list, but also the, you know, the size of the world, not everybody can attend. So, um, you know, people are actively looking for um, updates on on these sessions. People have, uh, you know, uh, they're they're looking to just follow along with the conference in general. So, like I was looking at the the ICOM hashtag, and uh, lots of people are talking about being at ICOM, but and using the hashtag, but not that many people are talking about the sessions itself. They might have one pull quote from from a talk, but they're not you know talking about sessions actively. You know, we encourage people to do that if they can, just because it does uh, spread the word and it does. Uh, you know, help spread the knowledge. So um, do you guys have any other final notes that we should uh, be aware of? Um, so it's in Philadelphia, which I don't know if we said. It's at the downtown Marriott. Um, it is November 7th to 9th. We will have our volunteer event, the Labene Vols event, on the 6th for anybody who's going to be there on the 6th and wants to help uh, with that. I think we're full, but there might be some space. Um, we're still announcing a few of those sites and projects as well. And if you guys have questions, you can email info at arcs, in, info at arcs.org. Did I say that right, Robin? Yeah, that's right. Or conference at arcs.org, and we'll answer your emails um, with other questions. We've had, you know, requests from, um, you know, anything you might need, any kind of special requests, you can let us know. We can ask a lot of the of the hotel staff of the hotel too, if you need something special. So how many uh, places are going to be involved in the Benevols this year? Uh, 11, I think I'll have to double check that, but I think we're up to 11 that have been, that we're able to go to. Amazing. Do we need uh, any volunteers for anything? I think we have enough volunteers. Um, we, um, I need some organizational help a little bit in that um, I don't know the train system in Philadelphia very well, and I have one local, but I think um, it's hard for her to think about what it's going to mean to buy some train tickets for all these people. We're going to we're going to like leverage getting people on trains to sites, um, and I just have to figure out how to how to do that. So if anybody knows the SEPTA system and would like to help me buy tickets for people to go to, um, one of the places is the, um, 
it's not oh now i'm gonna forget where and i was just there i have so it's like an hour facility the list i have is the center for art and wood um chester county historical society darby library history collection historic art street meeting house james a Mm -hmm. art museum and rose valley museum historical society that's what i can access right now the Michener is out. It's like an hour away from Philly, um, but it, it's like you can ride the train there. The Mercer Museum is there, which is what I was thinking of, not the Michener. But, um, and so if they want to... Doylestown. That's Stafford. what it's called. It's called Doylestown. <laughs> if someone wants to help with that, names up there. conference at arcsinfo.org. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, anybody who... Um, if anybody else at local in Philadelphia is interested in helping too, we still have a couple other things that we need help with. Um, the night before the co- the the fifth Tuesday, the fifth, we need help stuffing tote bags. If anybody wants to go and help stuff tote bags, there's pizza in it for you. I promise, it's actually a lot of fun. It sounds kind of hard, but it's actually a lot of fun. We make it fun, um, and then yeah, stuffing tote bags is a great way to meet people. And That's true. It is. That you will never. Put yourself in front of uh, in uh, in another circumstance. They're not going to be necessarily in your niche or whatever or your region, but they, that will definitely. And it's so easy because it's a smallish group. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we need we need help with that. And um, we're always we'll put out the call too for other volunteers um, as part of the conference. So, you know, we always need help with um, people who could do a couple hours at the registration desk. Um, helping with, you know, the vendors and making sure that they have things that they need. And the we have a table of goodies that gets put out, making sure that it looks neat and clean and that people aren't abusing the privilege. We've had that happen before. So, um, yeah, so we'll put that call out soon. It's mostly once you know you're coming to the conference anyway um, and you're willing to give us a couple of hours of your time, we'll, we'll definitely use you. And to plug the registration desk... That's the way to meet everyone too, because you see literally yes, it is. everyone. Everyone, <laughs> and we always need help with registration, yes. especially those first few days. So, yeah, very much so. And it's also a great way to to hang out with Robin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a great person to know. By the end of the day, my head's usually on the desk, but yes, <laughs> like, pretty much. Like, if you want anything to happen in ARCs and want any information about ARCs, Robin's the go to. <laughs> I do my you best. Just keep, you just got to keep Robin's caffeine drip kind of squeezing it in there. That's, that's the way to get to my heart is just endless Starbucks. <laughs> like, just like, just Makes um, me happy. <laughs> so... Um, well, with that, um, so the next ARCS chat is going to be uh, October 3rd, first Tuesday in October. And then after that is conference. Uh, Amanda, is there anything going on for the conference? I say that like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, ARCS chat is going to have quite a presence at the conference this year. Um, we are going to be doing daily live chats via Twitter with our attendees kind of looking at live events highlights, feedback, reactions, things like that. We'll also try and snag a few interviews with some key people, most notably, of course, our keynote speaker, whom we're hoping to do a podcast with as well. So Arts Chat will be alive and well at the conference. Look look for us because we'll be finding you. (laughs) Exactly. Awesome. Well, uh, if uh, if there's nothing else, uh, I think we should just wind this down. And uh, I... Since this is our first one, I'm not 100% sure when we're going to get this out as a podcast. Uh, once once we get it fully going, 
uh, it will be, you know, we'll be able to schedule it a little bit better. But I would imagine within uh, a week or two, we should be able to get get the audio out, um, assuming we don't screw something up along the way. So the video feed will go up pretty quick, um, just so if anyone's interested, the actual video will be available or we can also pull it down for a bit it's up to you <laughs> to see how you want to do it but yeah let's just yeah it, it, it's there so yeah it's just uh, and we can promote it so um but yeah so that that's the plan at this point so uh, but uh, thanks for everybody for attending and um or listening what, what do you call this attending listening chatting participating yeah participating and, uh, in the live stream yeah many thanks to tony who's joining us from her her work <laughs> so uh, yes we appreciate thank it. you no thanks for having me i was happy to to do it and to talk about the conference and spread the word because i'm excited for us to be in philly a couple months yep yeah Thanks so much. Everybody. I know. I said that, and then I was like, oh, it's a couple of months. <laughs> I know. I'll say, we had one last final comment on YouTube, which is someone just saying, this is making me more excited for attending my first ARCS conference and that they're looking forward Yay! to meeting my colleagues and seeing the museum field through their eyes. So I think that's a good Yay, one. good. Fantastic. Thanks yeah. for joining We're excited to meet you, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come say hi to us. <laughs> yeah, come say hi to us for sure. All righty. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Thanks. Okay. All right. Bye.